This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That's me. I'm part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm here at Vox Media Headquarters. My ask to you is that you tell someone else about this show. Thank you. How was that for an intro, Roman Mars? It's very good. This is very, very intimidating for me because I screw around on a podcast <laughs> once a week, but Roman Mars is a professional OG podcaster, public radio god. Um, there's a good litmus test when I bring a guest in, sort of who is excited about that guest. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guy named Marcus Brownlee come in. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Marcus Brownlee is? I do not. He's a giant YouTube star. He okay. makes gadget videos. Huge star, six million um, followers. Different reaction from different people about Roman Mars today. It's a very long wind-up to say Roman Mars is the uh, host of 99% Invisible, co-founder of the Radiotopia Podcast Network. Welcome, Roman. Thank you so much for having me. Now we're done. That was an easy interview, right? (laughs) That's so simple. Uh, You are talking to me today because you're touring across the country. Not only are you podcasting, Mm -hmm. um, but you're doing a live show periodically. So how long does the tour go on for? I'm not sure when this episode's going to air. Uh, it'll be over in a couple days. So, right. we'll, so you, you can't see Roman live. Don't no, go see not Roman live. But at some point, you can. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's start with the basics. Uh, what is 99% Invisible? 99% Invisible is a podcast about design and architecture and all the things that have been designed that people really take a lot of time to, to pay attention to and create that you probably don't notice. It's enormously popular. Yeah, I guess so. Among a certain <laughs> sector of people, some of whom I work with. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing it for how long? Almost eight years. Eight years. And prior to that, you were doing radio? And- yeah, I worked in public radio since uh, 2001. Um, I want to ask you more about uh, 99% Invisible and, and design. I have a bunch of questions about that. And then explain what Radiotopia is. You were the co-founder of that. Yeah, so Radiotopia was this uh, collective of podcasts that I created with PRX when when the show... And PRX is? Is the public radio exchange. And, uh, Which is different than NPR. Yes, exactly. It's a, but it's also a distributor and sort of, actually, it's sort of distributor and uh, tech work uh, R and D of of public radio. They make things, uh, tools, and they work with a bunch of people like NPR and stations to create new things. Mm-hmm. And they're also a distributor of content, and uh, they're just always in the forefront of things when it comes to public radio. So I was working with them on a XM radio channel that I used to a program for them, and at the time I did the first. Uh, I did a Kickstarter for 99% Invisible, and it was one of the first times that uh, a public radio show uh, went to the crowd, uh, did something like this, this this Kickstarter, without going through stations or other distributors. It was right. you're old, you remember, and you're old, and either you or your parents used to listen to public radio. You're familiar <laughs> with the pledge drive idea. Totally. Which they stopped programming for about a week right. to tell you. It's also for PBS, right? Please give us money. Yeah, we'll, we'll, We exactly. promise we won't do it for another quarter or a year, depending on how much money we were Totally. Raised. And so I used to be one of those people that asked for money on KALW in San Francisco. And so I did the, this Kickstarter, and then when I went to PRX, and I said, well, we got to so I created this kind of new model for how to directly fund a show and we should help what we think are the best producers that couldn't really find their way in public radio to create their own shows and then go directly to the audience and, and get support. And so now Radiotopia is collective, is that the word to use? Yeah. Well, it sounds all, a little Park Slope co-op, but it's... I mean, it is in, in a way because it's, it's like we, I'm not their boss. That everyone owns their own show. We just get together, share resources, you know, tithe to the mothership so that we can run, and uh, it works like that. And and there's commercial versions of this, right? I mean, there's 
I mean, Vox Media with, is, is, aspires to have its own network of shows. Um, the yeah. difference is, is that the Radiotopia itself is not a for-profit business. Right. So Radiotopia is a project inside of PRX, which right. is, a not, is a non-profit. But the shows themselves, the, the way that we split money, so like the shows themselves are businesses that can have ads. So like there's shows like mine, which are quite big, which have uh, ads. And then we also get funding from donors and grants through PRX. And then there's shows that can be smaller that, you know, maybe don't really care about chasing ads and have one or two people on staff versus mine who has 11 on right. staff. And so you can kind of be however you want to be is, inside of the network. Is there, what is the common thread between Radiotopia shows other, other than that they're good? I mean, that's the first one. I mean, like I really, in the beginning that they were very, uh, you know, sound rich storytelling type shows, um, stuff that you would hear on public radio, like this American Life or Radio Lab. Um, later on, we expanded to more uh, talk, and you know, and at this point, we we're really trying to find people that function as really good producers um, and are really good entrepreneurs and run a small business. That we're we're trying to facilitate people to create their own their own thing. They own it all. They run it all. We help them, but they really have to have a business sense too. Is part of the idea that, that there's an aesthetic sensibility or there's kind of the reaching the same audience that if you like Radiotopia, you're also going to like, uh, what, Song Exploder? Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. Yeah. But, you know, that's the, that's the one thing that, that sound rich, like you want like a very produced uh, podcast. It doesn't tend to be like uh, uh, the, the three-hour uh, two dudes in a room sort of thing. And the, but it's at this point, you know, when we did our first talk ones, uh, it was sort of related to the Rishi from Song Exploder uh, does this show called the West Wing Weekly, which is this recap of West Wing. And, but he does it with Joshua Molina, who was on the West Wing and, you know, Aaron Sorkin drops by and stuff like that. So it's like, that's a Radiotopia show. Yeah, it's a Radiotopia show. That's so great. And so the, so one, I think our sense is like, we just want the things that are, you know, highly produced and, and great. You know. Can we talk about 99% Invisible a sure. bit? Um, so you, your thing, you're known for that show, but, but broadly being a guy who's into design, and I asked you to describe mm -hmm. the podcast, and you said it's about design. Um, so, so I listen. Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, it seems like it's a stretch. To, uh, maybe I'm missing the design episodes. <laughs> uh, but I just listened to this week's episode. It's about how doctors explain uh, to patients that they're going to die. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. John Cleese has a cameo. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, explain how that's Why's about design? design. I mean, it's really just about thoughtfulness and whatever humans make is design. So, like, so it's a really a, broad umbrella. It's a very broad umbrella. I Intentionally, mean, or or oh, did you totally. or did you say I initially want to talk about Bauhaus and then eventually that's too narrow? Uh, no, initially I was I was thinking I w I wanted to make a little minute of uh, like a. a, a story about a building in a minute in San Francisco and place it in morning edition. That was the first concept of what 99% visible was. And then I wanted to broaden that to the concept of design where I talk about like manhole covers and, you know, doorknobs or whatever. Uh -huh. And then it became very clear to me that what I really loved was the idea of the intentionality of, of way people designed everything, designed governments, designed, uh, you know, uh, why is this thing districts. the way this thing is? Really Someone is. made it that way, totally, intentionally, yeah. probably. And so this 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 thing, the spikes protocol, which is how they how doctors are trained to to talk to people with giving them bad news, right. is totally a designed experience. And even though you might 
you know, view it as being really individual to you when it's happening. It is, it has a procedure and I'm always interested in the things that have procedures that you're not aware of. And so do you feel like it's part of your job is to tell people who are really interested in what they think of design being, I don't know, fonts, mm-hmm. um, that this is design as well? Or do you, at this point, it, you're just telling interesting stories and whether or not people I mean, use the same framework that you do, it doesn't matter. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing that I would try to do, the, the, so like the, this show was the culmination of many, many years of, of making radio. And so the best thing you want is a, is a way to tell whatever story you want to with a lens that focuses that idea. So we tell any type of human story uh, with the lens of design. And, and that to me is fun because I've been doing this a long time. It's super easy to get bored of the show that you make. And this is a way to not get bored of the show that you make. This show, I, I talked to Jad Rad. Yeah probably butchered his name, but I, I practiced <laughs> it a bunch. Close enough. Um, probably a year ago yeah. uh, about his show. It strikes me that there is a certain kind of show. You know, 30 years ago, these shows didn't exist, right? Public radio sounded like public radio. And right. then there was This American Life. Right. And there are a bunch of shows that sound like each other. Mm-hmm. Not in a derogatory way. Yeah, no. Right? no. Um, did I just make up a word? Derogatory? That's a real derogatory word. Derogatory is a real Thank word. Thank you. <laughs> um, but they... they once you start listening to one, you kind of know how they're going to sound. Um, they're all very different stories, but they they kind of have a similar aesthetic. They have a similar sound. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of how much time do you spend thinking about? Oh, this is what I want a show to sound like, and it's on a continuum of shows that kind of sound like this. Or, or do you think this is my own thing? It just randomly happens to sound like This American Life, which is mm-hmm. it's a narrative story, right? It's told by different people. I mean, I think there's certain like. Um, there's certain rules of radio that make things sound the same just because they they tell the best way to best way to tell a story. And Ira was really good at sort of like figuring that stuff out. And but that was a break, right? Because before there was totally. a much more sort of stentorian. Here is a report. I am Absolutely. a reporter. Yeah. I'm done. Um, but it, it tone of voice and the yeah. rhythm of things and all that sort of stuff that we 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 took that and we. Um, ran with it. I think Jad brought in a whole new element of sound and sound design, which was was really playful and uh, where the the musicality of the whole thing was really good. I mean, I was extremely aware of how what I was creating and how much of what it was. I mean, I was like, I, I want to be like forty uh, percent Radio Lab, forty yeah. percent Memory Palace, twenty percent um, Benjamin Walker. I, I just I had this idea of the way I wanted it to sound. I I think about design in every aspect of things, and very much so, what I was doing when I was creating this, um, and not least of which was like I wanted to, you know, at, at that time I was a senior producer, behind the scenes producer of an NPR show called Snap Judgment, and I was like, I, I wanted to write and host a little bit more, you know. So it was like for me. So I just I created What's the situation the I like? that I wanted, you know. And so, so you're a musician. I have these influences. I like the Beatles. I like yeah. this band. I like Kanye West. I'm yeah. making a thing. Yeah, and I and to me, there's you often find your voice through other people. You know, like you you sort of like I have this thing that like uh, stealing plus lack of talent equals creativity. So you know, you in an effort to try to create something uh, that's just a you know a facsimile of the thing that you like. You can't. You don't have the same talent. Like I don't have the same talent as Jad. I have different talents than yeah. Jad. And so, me trying to make a Jad show, I won't hit the mark, but I'll create something completely new. 
Stealing plus lack of talent equals creativity. That's a yes. great one. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, and then how much do you think it matters to your listeners that they either know that this show sort of sounds similar or maybe they've never listened to this kind of show and this is brand new? I think about this a lot with The Daily, yeah. which fits in again in this continuum. Sure. Um, the, I'm assuming The Daily reaches a lot of people who have never listened to This American Life or your show or shows like that. And maybe mm-hmm. it's the first time they've heard audio like this. Possibly. I mean, do you, what do you mean? I guess my question is, do you think, like, there's a kind of person who either n- thinks about, oh, this is the kind of audio I want to hear, or I'm comfortable with this, or maybe their list, their, their, their thought of audio is a traditional NPR newscast, or maybe like a drive time DJ, mm-hmm. or any, any, where it's a very different way of consuming audio. Right. Do you think this is sort of the, the standard sort of way that people are going to consume audio, or this is a slice no, of audio for a one. slice of the listening public? I think it's one, I think it's one kind. I know when, when I first heard This American Life, I was just like, I was blown away by it because yeah. it was, it's kind of normal people talking. That was the, that was the big revolution yeah. of it. That was a race home and like listen to it when it aired. Totally. Show. And it came, uh, you know, it fed on KQED on Friday nights uh, and in San Francisco. And it was like, it was appointment for me. Yeah. It was appointment listening. And then, so I think that when people hear it, it hits them in a certain way. Um, and for some people, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, like I, I mean, the reason why I have a podcast and I had to self-fund is because no one would hire me to do my thing on the radio. And so, uh, because I wanted this tone of, I knew I was telling what I think of as interesting stories about mundane things. And the way of doing it is to sound like a voice in your head. Like I, I mic myself as if I'm a voice, not like I'm a BBC, BBC reporters talk back like that, you know, like they're mm-hmm. like that. I want to sound like a voice in your head. And sometimes that doesn't fit the format of like the morning news or whatever. And so, you know, so some people they'll really key into that. They really like that. And some people just like, it just doesn't compute to them. And, you know, so be it. I want to talk about more about money and radio and sure. style. First, we're going to hear from a commercial. First, we're going to hear from a sponsor. That's a better way of putting it, right, Golda? Golda nods her head. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, Recode Media listeners, this is Dave Tack, co-host of Polygon's Quality Control. And on this week's episode, we are talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. We've gotten the band back together every time a Star Wars movie comes out. Four of us get together and talk about, well, everything that you can imagine about the movie. Was it good? Was it bad? What do we like? What are the Star Wars references? What was the weird, weird path that this movie had to take before it even got made? How much is Ron Howard? How much is the original directors? All that kind of stuff. On this week's episode of Quality Control, you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, whatever. Just search for Quality Control. We'd love to have you as a listener. Back here with Roman Mars, public radio podcasting god. <laughs> Welcome back, Roman. Of course, no one left. Uh, they all listened to that ad from our fine sponsor. Totally. There are a lot of people who are in podcasting, who are very successful in podcasting, who were in public radio and left, either, like you said, because they couldn't find space for themselves. Or, and now, more recently, I think you're finding people saying, I would rather, I'm successful in radio, I'd rather be in podcasting. I just talked to the newest Radiotopia member. I don't know if you guys have announced her publicly, so... We'll pretend that you haven't announced her yet. <laughs> um, but she's leaving WNYC, joining yeah. you. In your world, it makes sense that you would leave radio and go to podcasting. To a normal person, it's audio. Explain why something, why a podcast doesn't work still today in traditional radio. I mean, a lot of people are, a lot of people's conception of what a podcast is is an NPR show that's just downloaded on the right. phone, right? Right. So, what are people like me not getting about that distinction? 
Well, one thing is is just time constraints. The podcast is as long as it needs to be. It doesn't have to fit. Yep. I mean, so much of my time as a producer for 15 years was, you know, filling to make time or cutting to make time. Yep. And that's a, it feels bad. It's, like, it's yeah. tiresome, you know, so there's one Which thing. again was a traditional sort of like newspaper versus yep. internet distinction, but that's also exploited as well. Yeah. So, you know, like I think that I'm glad I had training in that. So it made me a more rigorous editor and uh, probably people who get into podcasting now who've never been through a period of time where they were in news or had to, you know, fit something to time. Um, maybe not. Aren't Learning to cut is a good thing. Totally. Yeah. But also, you know, recognizing what a story does and needs is is its own thing. And that's really, I, I think that's a good skill to have as well. And then the other part is just sort of autonomy and trying to create the show that you want. I mean, I work for lots of people. I think it's good to work with people, work for people. There's a certain point where I didn't want to work for people anymore. <laughs> I wanted to own my own thing. And the, the, part, and the thing was, especially back then when I started this show, and this was not proven at that point, I knew the thing that we had, had had value, and I knew inside the public radio system, the building got paid for, the the CEO got paid for, the staff got paid for, and the producers got paid last. And I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to set up a situation where the producers got paid first. There's no free lunch, so you got to you got to you still need money to absolutely pay your rent. And 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 how many folks work in your show? Like eight? Uh, I think it's up to eleven. Eleven. So you got to pay them, yeah. and you do that. Through ads and also by asking your listeners for your for support, mm-hmm. like you were talking about right. in the beginning. A few years ago, when you did Kickstarter, that was a novel idea. Mm-hmm. I think for at least for podcasts. Um, now there are a bunch more ways to to fund things like this. Patreon seems to do very well with podcasts in particular. What's sort of appealing to you as you sort of think about how you're going to fund this show for years to come? What what model do you think is going to make sense? I think that the one, the model that makes sense to me is the one where uh, podcasts are open and not sort of balkanized into these like new entities that are like. Uh, so you'd like them free and like available free, on multiple available. platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I think the ad-based stuff, uh, it works for me. Um, I think that the listener member model, the voluntary member model, which is something I'm very comfortable with in public radio, I think that's a very good model. You know, with If you like it more. If you like it a lot, give yeah. us some money and we'll give you something. Just be part of something. Yeah. And I think that the ones that are a part of something um, are more engaged as listeners. And, you know, like I, I really depended on them in the beginning. Like the show had no value to most people until a bunch of people said it's valuable to me. And then advertisers said, oh, I guess this is valuable to me too. And then it just built on itself. So with, with Radiotopia... Um, with the help of PRX, who is, you know, like innovative in the public radio space, we rely on grants, we rely on donors, and we rely on advertising, and we put that together to produce the shows. You mentioned this this balkanization move, right? There are a mm-hmm. bunch of people sort of thinking and experimenting with saying, well, this is only available on this platform mm-hmm. or this, uh, there's a, a something, a Stitcher and, and Stitcher Earwolf Premium, and Midroll yeah, yeah. Are, are launching something, and I keep thinking maybe I should pay for that stuff. <laughs> Um, I haven't done it yet, yeah. in part because I've got an iPod full of iPhone I think that's full totally, of stuff. I think that's totally true. Um, a lot of it comes from the same creators who want me to pay for something else, and I'm happy to support right. artists and creators. That's a good idea, but I'm a little confused about how to spend my time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I'm comfortable with the idea that that show's on Netflix, and if I want to watch it on Netflix, I've got to pay 10 bucks, and that show's on Hulu, and that's another 10 bucks, and I'm reasonably comfortable with that idea. Yeah, I'm less comfortable with that why, idea. Why, why, why do you, is, it, is, it a, is it a ideological thing, or do you think actually as a, 
as a distribution idea, it doesn't work. I think it's I think it's both of those things. I don't want to spend my time figuring out what the thing I want to watch is on what thing. Right. That drives me crazy. I don't want to spend even half a second deciding where do I find the movie Fletch. I, I, I get really irritated by that sort of thing. Is it on Netflix? Is it on Hulu? Is Are you it on a cable what? subscriber? No. No. So you, you get a lot of irritation in your life. Then. I totally do. Yeah. But, but, you know, cable is just as irritating yeah. too. So, but I think, and then the other part, like business-wise, I think that, that we're in the very beginning stages of this and a lot of stuff is available for free. And what we've done is we've taken a very expensive cable package that's $120 or something like that and reduced it to, I don't know, $40 worth of things that you pick and choose. And that's one direction to go in. Right now we have com- almost completely free audio and we're asking people to sort of like divide off and yeah. decide where we're going to be. And right now, I don't think we have the the overall mass to to support that change. We had seventy years of broadcast television to get to a point where we could hone it to people's like they they need it in their lives, and so they we hone it to the, them to pay for a certain amount right. so they can have the Sopranos. I don't think we've had that period of time with podcasts. What to do make you think about it. the free versus paid idea, right? I like free for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, it supports this podcast and yeah. yours, and so that's working. The counter says, listen, you're training people to expect this stuff for free, and you're demeaning the value. You're reducing the, the value of the thing you create. People will pay for things they want, and if you start by offering it free, you're never going to be able to charge for it. And by the way, look at the entire advertising ecosystem over on the internet mm-hmm. where it's a race to the bottom. Um, and, you know, I, it's, it's, it's becoming a running joke on this podcast, but most people who come in here who have a web publishing business of some sort either are announcing their, their paywall on this show <laughs> or they're about to launch one. Or if they're not, they're, they're a rare anomaly. Mm-hmm. And everyone's moved towards uh, the only way to make this work is to charge people. And it, by the way, that's a righteous thing. So... Uh, long-winded way of asking why not charge for podcasts i mean i think you can yeah and i think that there's there's a way to make that model work but i think right now we're in the like you know like 80 percent of the world doesn't know what the hell a podcast is right let's just let's like tackle that first and then we figure out how to divide them up here's the cool thing you like <laughs> now that you like it maybe you'll pay for it well pay for part of it or yeah. whatever i mean like i there's i've paid for the things I've made in different ways for a long career of this. I've you know, filled out CPB grants and all sorts of other things. Right now, I've, I've found in that amount of time, I found that advertising was the easiest, least strings attached money that I've ever gotten. I was and, reading an interview you did with Rob Walker a couple years ago for uh-huh. Money. He said, I'm a guy who's like basically like avoided, personally avoided like thinking about money as, as much as possible. Right. And, um, now your boss you got to think a lot <laughs> yeah. about how to do this stuff you're most you of the comfortable time. with that divide yeah i mean i mean you didn't you don't go into public radio because you're like oh, i'm a great business person i'm gonna go into I'm public gonna crush radio. <laughs> but when uh but i always thought of myself and the thing that the the person and the role that i value most in this world is producer and a producer is the person who does anything to make a thing happen and now my job is to um, make sure all these people get paid and they get health care and they get to do their best work. And solving that problem on a day-to-day basis is actually really fun for me. It's a new job for me, but I actually like it quite a lot. So we mentioned at the top of the show, you're doing a, a tour. I yeah. can't go see you now because the tours have now happened in the past. <laughs> how do you, how do you, uh, I do a live podcast periodically, but it's just mm-hmm. what I used to do. It's just, it's just me interviewing someone on stage, which we've done that for a long time. Yeah. Um, you have these sound-rich narratives. How do you think about 
putting something like that on stage? Well, you have to design it for stage. I mean, it has to be a reason why people are in a room to watch it. So we have live music. We we do stories with, you know, like I, you know, I do a show a about visual things. I mean, design and architecture is usually thought is highly visual. And so we have this opportunity to uh, have pictures in front of people, which is nice. Um, but the tours are tough. I mean, they're, they're, they're very much, I, I enjoy them. I enjoy meeting people. They're very much for the fans. We don't, um, but they don't generate content the way that, that an interview show on a stage would generate a thing that they could then release. I mean, they kind of use content, right? you know, and so we can't do them a lot. They're, they're a very heavy lift. And for the type of show we want to do, and we hired this incredibly capable tech crew, uh, led by Lynn Finkel, who just, who, who I met at, at TED and she does like the Emmys and stuff like that. She's, she's like amazing, but she's like a huge public radio and storytelling fan. And so she just gives us this great rate to, to do it. But we want to make sure we do it right and make it a, a nice big and show. And it's a produced show. It's, it's an totally. event and people have bought a ticket and their yeah. expectation is they're seeing a thing. They're not yeah. just closing their eyes and listening to a podcast. Totally. It's a it's a real event. And it's it's super fun, but they're a heavy lift. They're and very it's a, hard. Not really a revenue stream for you? I mean, there's it's covering mm-hmm. costs, it sounds like. It covers costs. Yeah. It's For me, it's like... The, the if I want to make money, I make more shows. That's the way. Um, that's the way that my operation functions. I think there's a strain of podcasting that says this is a promotion for the live show, especially a lot for comedians. It, it is not that way for not me. For you the, li- the live show, just because we we want we have an expensive show. You got a bus full of people. We got a bus. We have tour bus. We have uh, we have lights and stuff, and we have <laughs> everything. It's a bunch of really highly overqualified professionals that are helping us out, and so. We started off by talking about design and, yeah. and how design works as a, as a podcast theme. Do you want people to think about design sort of day-to-day if it's not their daily job? If, if, if my job is not designing a web page or designing right. whatever, should I be spending time thinking about design in my life? You know, I don't know if you have to be, but I like it. So, I mean, when I started the show, I mean, the reason why the show is called 99% Invisible is for the most part – um, it's only you only notice bad design. You only notice the things that don't work. This door is badly designed. Exactly, like, I push instead of pull, and you notice it irritates you. All that yeah. sort of stuff. And then the ninety nine percent invisible stuff is the good design stuff. So I wanted to highlight some of the good design in the, in the world. The one thing I like about covering design is I'm not like a naturally like extremely optimistic person. I'm I'm okay, but uh, one of the things I love about covering design is. Uh, when you notice something that has really good design, you really notice that the world is full of people, really, they're really smart, that are looking out for you. And there's something kind of optimistic about that world where where somebody has really carefully paid attention to some kind of design detail that makes your life a little bit better. And it's something that you've never noticed before. But they thought about a lot. And there's a certain sense of like, there's a lot more caring in the world if you view the world in that way. And that's the, that's the part of design I like to make people It's aware. cool. It, 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 in, a, in a non-drug use way, it sort of blows your mind, right? It does. Um, because you, 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 know, you can go down to the new World Trade Center uh, transit hub and it's, uh-huh. there's a mall there with yeah. a soaring roof. and it looks cool, right? But the really cool part is actually how it's designed to move people around. Unless you're thinking about it, yeah. you're not going to think about it. Totally. And again, you only notice when it doesn't work and you get off the train and you want to go left and everyone else is going right. Totally. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Do you think that is something that more people are paying attention to or or do you think sort of the bigger the world gets, the faster things move, that, that that stuff sort of gets sloughed off because it's not utilitarian enough? 
I mean, I think that design awareness is at an all-time high, yeah. mainly because the internet and people can find each other and people argue about fonts on movie posters and stuff like right. that, which is something they never did before. But that's a niche, right? Like, it's the guys yeah. who are the guys who are into uh, Helvetica versus whatever. I mean, it's a little bit of a niche, but the fact that you know the word Helvetica yeah. is... This is the but I'm, that, I'm a, li- I'm a I'm well, designer. You're, you're slightly more of that. Yeah. And then there's more than that. But, the, but there is... People are more and more aware of this. I mean, there was a there was a reason why my show hit at a certain point to tell narrative stories about things that are really would be considered a few years before completely inconsequential. I mean, <laughs> some of it, right, is like you know, it, it's, it's, it's marketing, phone. right? Yeah. People saying this is a well-designed phone, and so you have to sort of think about that. And you know, if you're very old and you had a phone in your house that you rented from the phone company, <laughs> right. <laughs> your choices were sort of what color that phone yeah. would be, and that was it. I think it all kind of hit at once. There's like, uh, there's companies that really, they're designed first, like Apple, that's very design focused. And they market based on that sort of thing. And then people recognize, oh, these are the things I like and things I It's been taught to recognize it by a giant, enormously profitable company. Absolutely. That's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. I mean, like, because they, because people have been, you know, doing good design that helps people for a long time, just like, you know, like really nicely, easy to read subway maps that aren't perfect representations of where the tracks go, but they are easier to to, to focus on and, and navigate. And people have been doing this a long time. It just uh, took, you know, you know, someone with some good marketing brain to go. When, oh, it, when is it. the newest Radiotopia show coming out? Uh, we launch our summer slate on May 31st. May 31st. Should we tease the show that I'm thinking about? <laughs> when does this get released? Um, that is a good question. <laughs> should we should we just guess? There's a cool thing about blockchain coming out. Yeah, there's a cool thing about blockchain. I know I know some of you have just turned the podcast off. <laughs> a lot of you are really gonna enjoy this. Yeah. All right. So we'll 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 keep it quiet until then. Yeah, we're supposed to announce May thirty first, but right, there'll so, be there'll be an interesting. So if you haven't heard about it yet, then stay tuned. And if you have, <laughs> go listen to that. Go listen to 99% Invisible, all the Radiotopia shows. Yeah. Roman, thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.